Yesterday, there was a large pile of apples under the crabapple tree. This morning, there is a large pile of bear scat in their stead. Welcome to the Nature of Phenology, where we share the cycles and seasons of the outdoors. I'm your host, Hazel Stark. Anyone who has spent time in New England knows that there are apple trees just about everywhere. Finding them on old farms is a given, but discovering them in the middle of the woods is like finding a misplaced relic of our past. When miniature paper tote bags of many of our favorite apple varieties start to accumulate not far from gallons of apple cider in the grocery store, usually in early September, we know that autumn is imminent. While cider and apple crisp are not at all what I desire as I aim to eke out those final hot days still reminiscent of summer in September, apple crisp and hot cider sometimes feel like all I want to eat come mid-October. And I'm not the only animal that can't get enough apples this time of year. Bears, turkeys, groundhogs, porcupines, and so many more species relish in the bounty of fallen apples to help them prepare for winter. But beyond their use to us and many others today, apples reveal a crisp slice of human history as rich as the flavor of apple pie. Despite their reputation for being a staple of the New England diet and landscape, apple trees are actually native to what is now Kazakhstan at about the same latitude as Bangor, Maine. Apples were carried along the Silk Road until they became well-established in Europe. Before the pilgrims even landed at Plymouth Rock in Massachusetts in 1620, apple trees had already started growing in New England. But how? Europeans on fishing boats prior to that famous pilgrim arrival had been taking along apples for the ride and throwing their seed-filled cores overboard, and it wasn't long before the apples began to take root in the New World. With Maine's human population booming in the 1800s, the first apple tree nursery in Maine was established. At that point in history, people were primarily using apples for making cider and paying less attention to the quality of the fruit for eating or baking. In the mid to late 1800s, between the Civil War and that widespread fear of drunkenness, lots of Mainers killed off their apple trees so that apples' juicy bounty wouldn't be abused as booze. As a report from the Maine State Board of Agriculture said in 1867, this killing of apple trees was, quote, the shortest means to dry up a tributary to the fearful river of inebriation, end quote. But what also crops up in history are groups of people wanting to make change. One particular group came together to promote Maine fruit and flowers, including apples, and began cataloging and learning more about them. Apple exhibits started to occur in many parts of the country, and people quickly realized that the Maine varieties were particularly hardy. Apple orchards expanded, as did the varieties that Maine had to offer. Over 150 apple varieties originated in Maine alone. As the appreciation and care of apple trees began to spread again, so too did our uses of apples. From cider and pie to molasses and vinegar, just about everyone with a farm had an apple orchard to provide this diversity of food that could last most of the year. From their journey from Kazakhstan to Europe and across the Atlantic Ocean and into the hearts and homes of New Englanders, apple trees have persisted across the landscape even when the barns of yesterday have crumbled and so much of the farmland has become overtaken by forest. So the next time you're outside exploring Maine's diverse landscapes, you can pay attention to where you find apple trees. Most likely there was a farm at that very spot not so long ago. I love to taste test apples from these forgotten trees, as they tend to scream flavors in bold contrast to the common grocery store varieties. 
You could even dive into apple history and flavor today at the inaugural Down East Apple Day at the Cobbscook Community Learning Center. You can download this episode and find a link to the transcript, references, contact information, photos, and information about how to subscribe to this show as a podcast by visiting archives.weru.org. Have a nature question that you want us to answer in our show? Simply reach out to us. Theme music was by a pileated woodpecker, made available by the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service. Thanks for listening, and please join us next week for another dive into the nature of phenology. (laughs) 